Welcome to the Lagan Valley Vineyard Podcast. We are a community passionate about seeing Lagan Valley filled with the presence and the teachings of Jesus. If you would like to connect with us or if we can help you in any way, please visit our website, laganvalleyvineyard.com. Welcome to Lagan Valley Vineyard. My name is Chris. Um, If we haven't met yet, um, I'm the youth pastor here at Lagan Valley Vineyard. And uh, if you're here as a guest or visitor, you're super, super welcome, as you've been told. We also have some uh, young people here from Alphen Schools. You guys are super, super welcome. Um, We love that you're here. Um, If you're jumping in with us this week, we're in the middle of a series called Walking with God. off the back of the new year, we really sensed that God was leading us into new ground and leading us somewhere new. And this series off the back of that is how we kind of occupy that space, how we walk with God to take up that space. Uh, last week, we had the amazing Hannah Toll sharing of what it means to listen to God. God is a good communicator. He wants to hear us speak to him, but also he wants to speak to us too. And she did a phenomenal job with that. Two weeks ago, uh, we talked about petition. I was up two weeks ago talking about petition. And truthfully, I was supposed to petition an intercession into one talk. I was unable to do that. So this is kind of like the part two to that. And so we are going to be discussing intercession this morning. What is intercession? How do we intercede? And all things around that. To do that, we're going to use the same teaching text that we used two weeks ago, but from a different angle. So from a different gospel, uh, we're going to be looking uh, at the gospel of Luke. And so if you have your Bibles, why don't you open it to Luke 11 and uh, verse two beginning there. It'll appear on the screens, but if you want to open up before you, we're going to be hanging out there, bouncing around the Bible a little bit, but it'll be where we primarily will be. And so Luke 11, starting in uh, verse 2, this is when the disciples asked Jesus how to pray. Lord, teach us to pray. He said to them, when you pray, say, Father, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come. Give us each day our daily bread. Forgive us our sins, for we also forgive everyone who sins against us, and lead us not into temptation. Then Jesus said to them, suppose you have a friend and you go to at midnight and say, friend, lend me three loaves of bread. A friend of mine on a journey has come to me and I have no food to offer him. And suppose the one inside answers, don't bother me. The door is already locked and my children and I are in bed. I can't get up and give you anything. I tell you, even though he will get up and give you the bread because of friendship, but yet because of your shameless audacity, he will surely get up and give you as much as you need. So I say to you, Ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives. The one who seeks finds. The one who knocks, the door will be open. Which one of you fathers, if your son asks for a fish, will give him a snake instead? Or if he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion? I'm not sure you can relate to your children asking for fishes and eggs, but if you do, then there you go. How much more will your father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask them? Before we jump in, let's pray. Jesus, thank you that you love us and you care for us. Thank you for your grace and your mercy and your life. And thank you for your scriptures that is a light and a lamp onto our path. God, as we open your scriptures in your name, I pray you would speak to us and reveal who you are to us. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. As I said, two weeks ago, we were talking about petition. And like petition, intercession is very similar. At its most simple, it's asking God to do things. Two weeks ago, we discussed the give us today our daily bread kind of prayers. They are petition prayers. And we discovered that God is a God that we pray to of daily bread prayers, but also of kingdom come. 
kingdom come prayers are prayers of intercession. They're intercessory prayers. Let me tell you a few stories. Yongsong Presbyterian Church in Korea started a prayer gathering around 20 years ago. When they started that prayer gathering, they had around 40 people that attended it. They gathered around to pray and to seek God to move in their local setting. If you uh, are to attend that prayer meeting now, it's no longer one prayer meeting, but three. And they gather in the early hours of the morning, 4 a.m., 5 a.m., and 6 a.m. 6 a.m. is the latecomers prayer gathering. It's crazy. But most importantly, when you show up to that, between those three prayer gatherings, you have around 12,000 people that show up to pray every week. They close the doors at one minute past four or five or six. Once it is one minute past, they close the doors. Many don't get inside because there's so much space, and they will wait outside for another 55, 59 minutes, praying outside the building until they can get in, standing room only, and pray for an hour. Here's another story, story of a, a single mom who deeply loved Jesus, and her greatest desire was for her son to know him also. She prayed unceasingly for his conversion, the son would grow up to be a wild drunk, a womanizer, and a rebel. Despite all those things, he would also be incredibly intelligent, became a professor, and he would use his intellect to combat the very faith that his mother loved and adored. The mom kept praying and did not lose her faith. When the son was around 19 years of age, she had a dream where God instructed her to not stop praying. God told her that his hand was on her son. Nine years later, from that dream, that young man found himself in his garden, heard the voice of God for himself for the first time, fell to his knees and surrendered his entire life to Jesus. That man is St. Augustine, and he's arguably the most famous theologian that we've ever known. Third story, I was listening to a podcast a few weeks ago from a local podcast here, and they had a famous tattoo artist on also from here who's tattooed celebrities from all over the world. And he had a, a rapid kind of rise to fame around that. He was flown into parties in LA and San Fran and all around the world to tattoo these celebrities. He was being flown into Premier League dressing rooms to tattoo Premier League teams and all this kind of stuff. And with that came the fame and the fortune and all that kind of stuff. But also with that came in a different lifestyle that consumed him. He found himself addicted to drugs and then severely depressed and anxious. And through trying to navigate for a certain period of time with his wife and his, also his, his young daughter, he found himself in a place needing dire help. And so um, he reached out to a counselor as his last kind of attempt, and that obviously didn't work out. He said on the podcast that he stood up and threw the 20 pounds in the face of the counselor and walked out. He got into his car and he began to cry because he realized that was his last chance. He came home to his wife and said, I don't know what else to do. I don't know what the point is. His wife said, why don't you try church? They had no faith at this moment in time. He looked at her like, are you crazy? Like, my life is in rain right now, and you want to start cracking jokes. And so in a desperate situation, he pulled up his phone, realized that the church local to him was doing a Wednesday night prayer, or Wednesday night gathering. And so he showed up to that. And on the podcast, Covering Tattoos, he explains that he doesn't isn't quite sure what happened, but when he walked into that building, he left. Depression, anxiety left him in an instant, and he was completely free from it. He works in local prisons with the IFA. He does incredible work. On the podcast, it's not a Christian podcast. The guy doing the podcast asks him, like, so like, what happened there? And he says, they call it being touched by the power of the Holy Spirit. And it changed my life completely. Then he went on to say that 
if he had to wait till the Sunday to go to church, he was 100% confident that he wouldn't be here. It's by the grace of God that he moved and intervened in his life. Why do I tell these stories? And I could go on telling more. I tell you because prayer is a compelling wonder. God acting on earth in response to humanity, in response to us. A God that is so incomprehensibly powerful, yet so intimately personal. But prayer also is a confounding mystery. You see, it's fair to say that half the room are inspired by stories like that. The other half are confused, even angry. Why does God act sometimes and not all the time? We're happy in church to talk about stories of divine intervention where God breaks in, but what about divine silence or even divine delay? It's great for Monica, but why did it take nine years for her son to finally come to faith? Why did we have to wait so long? That's great for Willie that mental health was taken off him in a moment. But what about those that it's more of a journey? Why does it seem at times that God is so generous with us and other times it feels like he withholds from us? God can seem kind and loving and other times completely passive. It's great that the Koreans are doing these prayer gatherings. There's 12,000. But what's really happening off the back of it? Which leads to the most pressing question when it comes to prayer. Do our prayers matter? Do your prayers matter? See, most of us live our lives kind of stuck between wonder and mystery when it comes to prayer. When it comes to praying big prayers, often we only pray them as the last line of defense, when everything is kind of falling apart and our only hope is for God to break in. When it's not the case, we often pray passive and vague prayers. And like we talked about two weeks ago, that stops God from either disappointing us or surprising us. Let me ask you a question. If God was to answer every prayer that you've prayed in the last year, how would your life be different? How would your family be different? How would your workplace be different? How would your school, how would the city be different? Would just your circumstances be a little bit better? Or would the world and the city around us be completely different? We've already talked, there's many aspects when it comes to prayer. In the Lord's Prayer, we have this line, your kingdom come, the kingdom of God. What do we mean when we say the kingdom of God? In most simple terms, it is where what God wants happens. He is the king, and therefore his desires happen. It's where we see the desires of God alive all around us. We don't have to look too far to realize that in the world that we live in, things are not how they should be. And what Jesus is talking about here is prayer that actually works. Prayer that pushes back the darkness and brings heaven to earth. You see, prayer is a compelling wonder and it is an unfounded mystery, but most importantly, prayer is a profound invitation, not just for some of us, but for all of us. But it's probably the church's worst kept secret that we don't really love it. Prayer for us is kind of like salads. It's good for us now and again, and we kind of do it now and again, but we don't really love it. I don't really trust anyone who says they enjoy salads. Like, do you actually really enjoy that, you know? It's kind of what it's like. And forgive me if this is close to the bone as well, but if we truly understood the invitation that is to us in prayer, we'd have the same problem that the Korean church have. But we don't. On earth as it is in heaven are intercessory prayers 
Intercession comes from a Latin word, intercedo, which means to come between, to pass between two parties, or in other words, to stand in the gap. In this case, the kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven and earth. These are the two spaces. Intercessory prayer isn't real life make a wish. These are the kinds of prayer that calls heaven down in an act of compassion and love. You see, I think a lot of us need a redeemed theology of what it means to imagine and act out the desires of God on earth, to be intercessors operating in the middle space. We need a redeemed theology of what it means to intercede. And so to do that, we're going to do a quick skim over the story of Scripture. And so um, brace yourself, put your seatbelts on, buckle up. It's going to be, we're going to go uh, fast and deep all at the same time, but it's going to be good. And so we're going to start in creation at Genesis. Are you up for that? Great. Well, if you weren't, I'm not sure what your other option was. But So Genesis 1, uh, creation, how God intended it to be. Creation and creator walking hand in hand. Adam, or Adam in the Hebrew, uh, translates better to person or human. The claim in that is that this isn't just a story of one man called Adam, but this is the story of humanity. And one of the big burning questions that we have is why are we here? What's the point in life? What's the point in us being here? And the answer to that we find in the very first page of the Scriptures, in verse 26 to 29, Genesis 1. Then God said, let us make mankind in our image, in our likeness, so that they may rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky and the livestock and the wild animals and over the creatures that move along the ground. So God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. God blessed them and said to them, be fruitful and increase in number. Fill the earth and subdue it. Rule over the fish of the sea and the birds of the sky and every living creature that moves along the ground. We are created. The point and purpose is to rule. Now, not rule in an imposition of will kind of way, to rule in the image of God kind of way, to rule like Jesus did, which draws out the divine potential of the world and humanity all around us. We're not the rule in a power-hungry way, but in the image of God kind of way. God's original intent is for us to, for free, intelligent, creative human beings to collaborate with him in running the world. In this passage in Genesis, there are two claims made, that we are made in the image of God and we are made to rule. The term image of God to that context is very interesting and often we kind of brush over. Jonathan Sachs says, in the ancient world, it was rulers, emperors, and pharaohs who were held in the image of God. So what Genesis was saying is that we are all royalty. What Jesus is saying is there's no such term as the elite. We are all equal. Human beings made to be intercessors with God, overseeing this world. Adam and Eve made to be stewards, intercessors trusted to draw out the divine potential that God placed all around them. Psalm 115 said, the highest heavens belong to the Lord, but the earth he has given to mankind. When he says given, he didn't forfeit his rule and just leave us, like hang us out to dry. He maintains sovereignty and ultimate authority, but God shares the responsibility of ruling with us. Therefore, he made us intercessors. He made us in his image and gave us something to maintain and oversee. Made in the image of God, created to rule under God's authority and over the earth. That's what it means to intercede and to pass in the in-between under his authority and over the world. We're called a royal son and a royal daughter. We're not robots or androids 
and our invitation is to collaborate with God in the writing of human history, to collaborate with him in running the world and lovingly oversee it under his authority and over the earth, passing through his intercessors. This is how God intended it, but it wasn't to be. The fall happened, which is also known as the great deception. We forfeited our role as rulers and intercessors. In Genesis 1, we see that we're created to rule over the animals. But if we jump forward two chapters into Genesis 3, we then realize that animals are now ruling over us, over humanity. And so we know something has went wrong. Adam and Eve were left with a choice, allegiance to the king or rebellion against him. They chose rebellion. You see, due to the freedom that God placed into human nature, the world has gone horribly wrong. The root problem is that the human heart was bent out of shape in that moment. And everything else that we see around us that isn't how it should be is a symptom of that. And forgive me if this is close to the bone, but we talk about things like world hunger and world poverty. And often we ask the question is, where is God in all of this? Resource is not the problem. There's more enough wealth to go around the world. There's more enough food to go around the world. But the reality is that half of our world is dying of hunger and the other half dying of obesity. The issue isn't resource. The issue is how it's being ruled or their lack of. And this is our invitation to rule well. The fall also caused a communication breach between the mind, the desires of God, and our bodies, our actions, how we fulfill that and how we work it out. I still try to do CrossFit, admittingly not as much since getting married. It all kind of ends in the same way, tears and pain. But, um, <laughs> but there, there's, there's a thing called box jumps in CrossFit where you jump onto a box. And uh, like, something happens about 10 minutes into it where my mind and my desire is to jump in the box and my legs are like, hard pass, not happening. <laughs> there's a breach in the communication. There's a breach in the action point between my mind and my legs. Something has went wrong and this is what happened in the fall. There was a breach in the direct line of the mind and the desires and the imagination of God and us to fulfill that and act it out. We all know the story doesn't end there. We have a promise. Genesis 3 makes a promise. In verse 15 he says, he will crush your head and he will strike the heel. This is talking about the enemy, the evil one. He will crush your head is the first promise we have of a coming redeemer, the first prophecy of a coming Messiah. This is God saying, I'm coming back to win back your rule. I want to make you intercessors again. Isaiah 9, which is commonly read at uh, carol services in Christmas time, it is kind of like the token piece. It's the real nugget of gold in the carol service. It says this, For unto us a child is born, a son is given, the government will be on his shoulders, and he'll be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace, of the greatness of his government and peace, there will be no end. Here we see the author writing himself into the story. One of the most common questions I get asked when doing alphas in schools, talking about Jesus in schools, is what separates the God that you worship to any other God or religion? Jesus is the only God that moves towards us moves towards us in our brokenness and in our state. He writes himself into the story. But more importantly, the government will be on his shoulders. This is authoritative language. This is Genesis language. He is coming to restore the rule that we lost, to win back what we lost, and to give us back our authority. Then we have the restoration of prayer. Maybe you're thinking in this moment, interceding, prayer, how does this all weave together. Well, I'm glad you asked. John 16, 
See, prayer is a relational exchange whereby we join with God to put the world to rights. It's one of the primary ways that we usher in God's kingdom. The desires of God is through prayer. It's not the only way, but it's the primary way and one of the most important ways. And Jesus taught us to pray, your kingdom come. This is how we take our rightful place as the royal sons and daughters to partner with God in welcoming, welcoming his good and new future. Skyjistani says that we are not merely passive set pieces in a prearranged cosmic drama, but we are active participants with God in the writing, directing, design, and action that unfolds. Prayer, therefore, is much more than asking God for this or that outcome. It is drawing into communion with him, and they're taking up our privileged role as his people. In prayer, we are invited to join him in directing the course of his world. We have a moment in verse 7 of John 16, where Jesus turns to his disciples and says, it's better for me to go. These disciples have just followed him and watched him do miracle after miracle after miracle. How could it be better that you go? Surely we need you for what we're going on to do. And it almost has this, it's like the origin of the classic breakup speech, right? It's like, it's not you, it's me. It's better that I, I go. I must go so that something better can come along. You see, the disciples had a question of what is better than Jesus in the flesh, God in the flesh. And God's response was God alive in all flesh. And that was his greatest desire. How was he to do that? Through prayer. John 16 verse 23 says this, in the day you will no longer ask me, this is the words of Jesus, ask me for anything. Well and truly I tell you, my Father will give you whatever you ask in my name. Until now, you've not asked for anything in my name. Ask and you will receive. Jesus saying, you used to bring it to me in person. Now you don't have to do that. You can bring it directly to the Father. You have direct access. He is talking about the restoration of the communication breach. Us communing with God, us speaking to him, us asking him, and the resource of heaven being unlocked, the desires of heaven being unlocked back to us. Prayer is the repair of the communication breach. See, when it comes to being uh, an intercessor, when it comes to intercessing, prayer is what moves it from biblical theory to actual experience. Prayer in his name translates under his authority. It has recovered authority through Jesus. Larry Hurtado, not to be confused with the R&B singer Nelly Furtado, <laughs> says to pray in Jesus' name means that we enter into Jesus' status in God's favor and invoke Jesus' standing with God. To pray in his name is to access the same access that Jesus had, his status with God. You see, you are not Jesus. I am not Jesus. But when we come before the Father, we come in his status, in his name. When we pray in Jesus' name, is to pray with recovered authority and it is to exercise victory. John Member says that prayer is meeting the needs of others on the basis of God's resources. That in the name of Jesus, we have free access to a heavenly vault to distribute heaven's resources all around us. And that resource never runs dry or out. You see, what if the, what Jesus said to his disciples that you've never truly prayed is what almost applies to us in understanding what it means to pray in the name of Jesus, in his status. The victory has been won, and God is looking for intercessors to implement the experience of his victory here and now all around. That is prayer. The truth is, is that God does not need intercessors ruling alongside him. 
yet he chooses us to share in the redemption. How many things are yet to be done in our city, in your life, in your family, in your workplace, in this world, that we haven't yet asked for yet in Jesus' name? You see, we dream of a God who brings heaven to earth. God dreams of a praying people who long demonstrate heaven on earth, the desires of God on earth. What if our prayers were the answer to God's prayers? Him longing for his children to cry out for him to display his goodness all around. In a world that rejects him, ignores him, and pretty much chooses any distraction over him, what if we were the first to choose him over everything else? So let me ask you again, if God was to give you everything that you're to pray for in the next year, what would change? What would look different? How would this city be different? How would this valley be different? How would this world be different? Let me ask you a bigger question. Is it not worth finding out? Carbarth says to clasp both hands in prayer is the beginning of an uprising against disorder in the world. Prayer is more practice than theory. Theory is powerless until practiced. You see, the disciples asked the question to Jesus. This is how it starts. Teach us how to pray. The disciples knew what prayer was. They grew up around it, whether it be temples or synagogues or tables. They understood what prayer was. The question wasn't teach us how to pray. The question really was teach us how to pray like that. The calls heaven down. And we see God's desires made visible all around us. Jumping back to look the bottom of the Lord's Prayer, we find a conversation, kind of an odd one, between a, a, a friend and a neighbor. And it's important to realize that this teaching takes up a significant amount of space in the Gospel of Luke, and so there's importance put onto it. But essentially, a friend is looking for bread off his neighbor. And it says that even though he will not get up out of friendship, but because of your shameless audacity. You see, what God is saying is you can get a grumpy neighbor to get up and answer your request. How much more can you get your Father in heaven who loves and adores you to respond to your requests and needs? We can probably all relate somewhat or at some point in time to like a neighbor who's like slightly less than awesome, right? And asking them for something is difficult. And we can approach God like that. But in actual fact, God wants us to come as children to a father with shameless audacity asking him. We're to ask, we are to seek, and we are to knock. There are three things that are important about this that Jesus is instructing us to do when it comes to asking for his desires to come on earth. Number one, we are to ask. You see, one of the things I find so interesting when it comes to prayer ministry is oftentimes it'll come to praying for people and whether they're physically sick or whatever's going on, they'll have a request that they want to be prayed for. My question is, have you prayed for it yourself? And nine times out of 10, the answer is no. They haven't. You know what's worse than unanswered prayer? Unasked prayer. So few of us want to approach and ask for ourselves. And what he's saying is ask. Secondly, he's saying ask with audacity, not timidity. God is our Father. He wants us 
to experience his goodness. He wants to know our desires, but he's loving and gracious enough to override our desires when he knows they're not good for us. You see, God's no or God's not yet is often one of the greatest security systems in our lives. The reality is it's so hard to know in the moment. We can only see it in hindsight. We have to trust him through the process, but so often his no is actually grace activated in our lives. We're to ask with audacity. God's never offended when we ask for too much. Only when we settle for too less. And three, we're to not give up. Year after year, we can pray for things and it feels like nothing is changing or happening. And it's so easy to throw in the towel. And there can be so many reasons why that's the case. Is God saying no or is he just saying not yet? But the point is, is that we are to ask with shameless audacity. You see, generic prayers get generic answers. Specific prayers get specific answers. In the name of Jesus is not just words we attach to an end of the prayers, we come to close it. It is to come to the very throne room of God and say, I'm with that guy, Jesus. And therefore, you're called royal son and royal daughter. If the band want to come up, that would be great. To live biblical lives is to live as intercessors, asking in the name of Jesus with shameless audacity for God to move here and now. It's not about a prayer meeting or an event. It's about where we go after this space. It's where the every space that our feet take us become a thin space between heaven and earth. It's where we become our prayers, the answer to our prayers. It's what it means to pray without ceasing. That we become walking, talking answers to the prayers of the city and the people around us. See, if we have the resources of heaven, we then carry the solutions to a broken world and a broken city and a broken people. And we have access to that through the name of Jesus. You see, we're not going to start a prayer, prayer movement. We're going to join something. It's called the mission of God. It is the plan A to redeem all of humanity, and there is no plan B. It's us joining in God's larger story that he's writing here and now. Walter Wink says, history belongs to the intercessors who believe the future into being. Even a small number of people firmly committed to a new inevitability in which they have fixed their imaginations can decisively affect the future, take, the shape the future takes. These shapers of the future are the intercessors. You call out of the future the long for new present. Intercessors are future people. See, I often hear stories like I just read out at the beginning, those three stories. And personally, I'm full of admiration and inspiration off the back of that. But I don't want to just live off past moves of God. I don't want to, as they put it in Proverbs, live off just the rumors of God. I want to experience it firsthand here and now. The word testimony, and I don't know if you ever thought about this, why we tell testimonies in church, why we share that. Testimony is a really interesting word. You dig into the Greek and the Hebrew, you find all sorts of stuff attached to it, whether it be a covenant that he's made to it, the 
testimony of prophecy, but one of the most interesting things I've realized about the word prophecy is found in the Hebrew root word for it, and that word means do it again. That the word testimony means do it again. See, when we hear stories of wandering children finally coming home, we hear stories of the sick being healed, of mental health being restored, of thousands of people praying and seeking after Jesus. I think this is what Paul means when he says, allow your praises and thanksgiving shape your prayers and petitions. See, when we hear these stories, we realize that this is the God that we worship a miracle-working God, a way-maker God who does miracles and demonstrates his desires all around us. And he longs for a people to say, do it again, here and now. We don't want to just settle for what has been before, but we long to see it here and now. Ruling under his authority, over the earth, declaring in the name of Jesus that God's kingdom would come. Resource that never runs dry. And so we're going to do that. We're going to stand in the gap this morning and we're going to intercede. And so if you're able, why don't you stand? Before I pray for us as we come to worship, we turn uh, 10 years old as a church in October. Um, And we've seen God do some incredible things over the last 10 years. I've seen God do some incredible things over the last 10 years that has changed my life. I've seen it firsthand. And I've asked these guys to rewrite a bridge of a chorus where we begin, they're going to sing out things that we've seen God do firsthand in our community. And as intercessors this morning, I want us to join with heaven to celebrate what God has done. But I also want us as intercessors to join with heaven to invoke an almighty, would you do it again? That we're not satisfied on past moves of God, but we long to see something new and fresh. The new ground that we go to is full of God's desires all around us, experienced all around us, where mental health is no more, it is healthy and it's free, where depression is broken, where prodigals are to come home, where cancer disappears, where we see God do what only he can do. And we get to stand in the gap as his intercessors ruling under his authority and over this earth to declare a king that is high and above everything else. And it is our privilege to intercede, to rule in that space. And so would you join me this morning in the name of Jesus to declare a name that is high and above every other name. His name is Jesus. And we long to see this valley full of his desires, alive and new. So Holy Spirit, would you come, fill us afresh, move in and through us. God, awaken dormant dreams right now. The prayers that we've let go of because it's got too hard, would you awaken it right now? God, we pray for prodigals to come home the sick to be healed. God, we thank you for everything you've done and we graciously and humbly ask, God, would you do it again and would you do more that nothing is impossible for you. Worship. Come, Holy Spirit.
And we've learned this morning that in the name of Jesus, we have access to a resource that never runs dry. And so something is available to us this morning that allows us to walk out of this as intercessors, ruling under God's authority over his earth, standing in the gap for a broken humanity. And what it requires of us is courage. And so I want to pray for us that God would impart courage deep into our hearts, that we would be bold enough to step out and to step into what God's asking us to do. And so if it's helpful, put a hand on your heart, hold your hands out in front of you as a way uh, to physically say that you want to respond to inhabit that. Jesus, we pray in your name this morning that courage would go deep into each of our hearts and our souls. God, I pray right now for the imaginations of the people in this room that you would fill it with your desires. You would speak to people in this space about the desires of the kingdom of God for this place that we call home. You would reveal it to them now in the name of Jesus and you would give us the courage to act it out, to live it out and to seek your kingdom here and now. And so God, fill us afresh by the power of your Holy Spirit in your name with courage from heaven, from the resources of heaven, fall afresh on us this morning. And would it fill us from the top of our head to the soles of our feet. And will we know what it means to be walking, talking, answers to the prayers of a broken city around us. And so God, we say we long to see your kingdom break out around us. Use us in your name. Amen. Amen. You guys can...